at Summerfest yesterday. You deserve more than that. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Come on, make some noise for Jesus. Uh, my name is Pastor Alex Brady. I know I'm always sounding raspy, uh, but I'm, I'm getting really cold, and I'm getting pretty jealous because I was on the inflatables yesterday, and I got home, and I was like, what did I do to my throat? I couldn't get out. I couldn't yell all that time, but I, I had a yell ready to go. sounds like something that I would like to do. Uh, we have everything that you need to get to get baptized this morning. So we've got shorts, red t-shirts, and uh, we'll even let you keep it. So, uh, but that's not something to get you to, to get baptized. We want you to get baptized because it's something that you believe God wants you to do in your life. And so, uh, and, and we've got people that can talk to you about that at the end of service. taking just topics. I, I like to call it freestyle, although um, a lot of times when you think of freestyle, you think of like just off the cuff, but I want you to know that there's still hours of preparation that goes into this message. It's not like I'm just coming up and saying, all right, God, what do you want me to speak about this morning? Um, it's something that we, we pray through, and uh, we really believe that God uh, has certain topics throughout the summer, but it's not in the context of a series. Like, I like series sometimes because it's it's structure, and it it allows us to know, all right, so this week in in church, we're studying relationships because we're in a series about relationships. That's that's just an example. And so, uh, we're doing Best to uh, not get emotional. So, 
feel like because I am an emotional person, it makes me talk like I'm talking about emotions. Um, that's not really the way that works, by the way. Um, because, like, there is such a thing as emotion in politics. And I'm not an emotionally intelligent person, per, per se. But I am, I, I, I do my best not to be led by my, my emotions, because that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So, um, if I could give you a big idea for today, it's this. It's that God's plan is for us to be, uh, God, I'm sorry, God's plan is, is for our emotions to be managed. God's plan is for our emotions to be managed. I heard someone once say this. He said, it's okay for emotions to be in the car, just not to be in the driver's seat. Right? It's okay for emotions to be in the car. It's just not okay for them to be driving the car. And, and so that's kind of what we're going to dive into today. Um, being emotional isn't bad. It's not a bad thing. As long as our emotions don't get the best of us. Uh, this past week in Lakewood, Colorado, a huge brawl between adults broke out in a seven-year-old baseball game. Now, that's not meaning that the baseball game was seven years old. There were seven-year-olds playing this game. Like, so it's a seven-year-old playing baseball, and then a 13-year-old umpire makes a call that the adults got upset about, and the adults started fist fighting. Like, did anybody see that on the news? Did anybody? Like, it was ridiculous. And when I look at a scene like that, I see people being led by their emotions. I see people now that are facing legal charges over a game. And because of situations like this, I think God says, I want you to learn how to manage your emotions so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Either our emotions are going to manage, either we have to manage our emotions or they manage us. We have to learn how to manage our emotions so that they don't manage us. Now, you don't have to know me for very long to know that I'm an emotional guy. When, when my, my wife and I first got married, um, we said that it would be interesting because Tanya was emotionally constipated and I had emotional diarrhea. Like, like seriously, that's, that's how we, we explained our marriage at the very beginning. And, um, and it's true. Like, if you guys know us, you guys are like, yeah, that's true. Like, we know that. Um, when we say we have to manage our emotions, we're just saying that we can't be led by them. And it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to have emotional diarrhea. As long as they don't lead you. We live in a world that's pretty self-aware these days. Like, like uh, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a big, like, just real popular thing about knowing yourself and discovering yourself and, and who you are. And, and those things are great. But God wants us to be more than self-aware. He wants us to be spirit-aware. And that's where we run into a little difficulty. Because oftentimes, when we start talking about living in the Spirit, and we start talking about being led by the Spirit, well, 
we're talking about something that we oftentimes say that we feel the Spirit. We feel the Holy Spirit leading us to do this. But I think that when we say things like that, we can start to get confused with what it is that's leading us. Hopefully, hopefully today with my raspy voice and all, I can help you see the difference between being led by the Spirit and being led by emotion. So that's my, that's my goal today. In order to do that, in order to see that we're making sure that we're being led by emotion, or being led by the Spirit and not our emotions, we have to go outside of ourselves. We have to go outside of ourselves. We cannot look inwardly or else we're going to start to look at our emotions. And so the place that we have to turn to is the Bible. The Bible is outside of us. And that's why the Bible is so valuable. Because the Bible gives me an opinion, and it gives me not, not just an opinion, but truth that I didn't write. Like the best truth comes from someone, how many of you know that it's so much better for someone else to speak truth into your life than for you to discover it yourself? Like, like I need people that will speak truth into me. That's why every day I need to open up God's word so that it can speak truth into my life. And so we can't be led by our emotions. Otherwise, like when I write truth, my emotions get involved, right? Like even, even when I take the word of God, <coughs> even when I take the word of God and I, and I start to, I can start to use my emotions to twist the word of God to say what I want it to say because my emotions are involved. And so it's so important that we are led by the spirit and not our emotions. There's two verses, um, or not just two verses, two scriptures that I want to look at today. The first one is in Romans chapter 13, uh, 8. Romans chapter 8. And the next one is in Galatians 5. When you turn to Galatians 5, you can put your finger there because we're going to be there for a while. All of today's notes are available on the YouVersion Bible app, by the way. Um, you can follow along there. Follow along in your in your Bible. <coughs> my wife is laughing at my voice all the way back when she can see. I know what she's laughing at too. Romans 8, 13 to 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now turn to Galatians 5, 16, 17. <coughs> and so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nation, nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces constantly fighting each other are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I love the end of that verse. Your good intentions are good enough. 
when it comes to a Holy Spirit. Like, you're not free to carry, just carry out your good intentions. Like, live by what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you're wrong, you're wrong, is what he's saying. So, the same guy wrote both of these passages. I love it. Um, the Apostle Paul was his name. He wrote uh, the book of Romans. He wrote the book of Galatians. And um, even though he wrote them to two different people, groups of people, he's essentially saying the same thing in these two verses. Um, die to the flesh, live in the spirit. And so we have to, in order to understand everything that he's saying here, we, we're required to, to dig a little bit deeper um, than, than what I usually like to do on a Sunday morning. Because uh, we're going we're gonna to have to look at some, some Greek words and, and their meanings. And, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this sermon, is, this is a deep sermon. This isn't, this isn't what I would call shallow. Um, this, is, this is deeper. This is deep level stuff. Uh, when, when you start talking about um, ignoring your feelings and, and being led by the Holy Spirit, that's, I, I think that that's, that's deeper things. And it's not for everyone. But the verses that we just read had some words in it that we have to define. The first word is what the English word was, was flesh. And that was in uh, Romans, the Roman passage, Romans chapter 8. The word flesh there is, is, is the, the original language, which is the, the language that the Apostle Paul would have written it in. And he would have written it in Greek. And when he's writing in Greek, the word that he writes here is the word sarx, S-A-R-X, sarx. Now, the same word is the word that he used in Galatians chapter 5 when it's translated, translated as sinful nature. So, both the sinful nature and the flesh is the Greek word sarx. And so, what does the word sarx mean? Well, it has many, many meanings, but for, for this, so some of the meanings that it has is the word body, the word flesh, but what it refers to here is this, and that is a flesh that denotes a mere human nature, an earthly nature of man apart from divine influences. So the nature of man apart from God, godly influences, apart from divine influences, and prone to sin, being opposed to God. So what that means, the word sarks is, means that it's the part of us that is opposed to God. The part of us that likes to do what's wrong. The part of us that likes to do. The part of us that does something that we know we shouldn't do. That's what sarks means. And so, then the other, the other word that we have to translate is the word spirit. So when the Apostle Paul writes about the spirit, it's the, word, it's the Greek word pneuma, which is also translated as breath, but is also translated as the Holy Spirit that we breathe, that comes into our lives, and that he's every part of us. That's why it's the word breath. And so... 
and, and, and what's important for us to just see right here is that when it talks about being led by the Spirit, it's not talking about being led by your Spirit. It's, being talk, it's talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, who is a person not to be felt but to be experienced. The Holy Spirit is not just something that we feel, but it is a person to be experienced. And we experience him when we invite him into our lives. We experience him as a part of our lives. And as a believer that's asked Jesus to come into our lives and invited the Holy Spirit into us, then we are to be led by the things that he tells us to do. And not by what we desire. Our spirit and our soul, so, so as, as, as human beings, we have, we're a three-part being. We have our body, we have our soul, and we have our spirit. Your soul possesses your spirit, and your soul and your spirit are what goes on to heaven. Your body stays here. Your body gets buried six feet deep. But your body, your, your soul and your spirit, they, they live on. Your spirit is who you are. Your, your spirit is something that, that we know. And, and, and th- this is what I love about, about, about that. And that is that like you, you can't know my body. Sometimes they can, but you can't, right? Like you can't know my body. But you can know my spirit. You can know my spirit. And the Spirit is who you know. And so when we're being led by the Spirit, we're being led by who we know God to be. And it's so important for the Christian life. So important. For the Christian life. Our bodies are made up of flesh. But when the Bible refers to the flesh being sarks, it's not referring to our fleshly bodies. It's referring to us being prone to sin. But watch this. We also have to distinguish our spirit from his spirit. Right? We have to distinguish what is ours and what is God's. We have to know God and we have to separate him from ourselves. Now let's read Galatians 5 again, and then I'm going to, hopefully, I'm going to start to preach. All right. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. We have it inside of us that we would want to do evil. It's not natural to want to do good. Just, just ask a two-year-old, to let you borrow a toy that he's playing with. Mine. He's like, mine. You don't have to teach your kids to lie to you. They know how to lie to you already. Right? It's in our nature to do wrong. That's what the flesh is. And so, keep reading. 
And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. They're they're at war against each other. The Holy Spirit of God and what we want to do are two opposite forces. And that is why we can't be led by our emotions and we must be led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to be our guide. The war that goes on is the Spirit of God versus our emotions, our nature, our sinful nature. And so I hope I hope you understand. Are you are you getting something? Like do you understand? Do you see the difference? Do you see why it's important? So so now we can continue reading in Galatians chapter five. Because if we're gonna re- receive God's best, we have to be led by the Spirit and not by the emotions. In Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21, the Apostle Paul continues to write, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So so now, the Apostle Paul is going to name some things out that that are sinful, right? He says, this is what the flesh causes you to do. And here you go. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Flesh, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He's, the apostle Paul is, is being harsh here. He says, if you live according to the flesh, these are the things that you're going to do. And if you do this, you can't be a part of God's kingdom. Because God is perfect. And where God is perfect, he can't have sin present. But he can have sinners present because of Jesus. And so these are the things that the Apostle Paul says, this is what your emotions will lead you to do. But if you continue reading, he says in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, but the fruit of the spirit is this. So a fruit like, like an apple tree produces apples. Right? So, like, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's talking about what you will produce when you're led by the Spirit. Do you understand that? What you'll produce when you're being led by the Spirit, this is what you'll produce when you're led by the Spirit. But watch it. You'll produce love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to mix up the fruit of the Spirit with your emotions. Because, you see, sexual immorality, a lot of the things, like like what he was just saying about sexual immorality is that the acts of the flesh are obvious. This is an act of the flesh, not an act of the Spirit. 
but yet many people will tell you that their sexual immorality was caused by what? Love. Because I love her. Because I love him. Because I love him. That's why I did it. But a fruit of the Spirit is love. So what does this mean? Well, this means that the English language is stupid, is what it means. Love in the English language is so difficult to understand. Because we use the word love for everything. I love my wife, but I love tacos. Like, And so you have to dig into the original language that the Apostle Paul is writing in. And when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit in the word love, he's talking about agape, selfless love that only God gives us. But the love that is caused, that causes sexual morality is an eros love, which is, comes from the, the word, where we get the word erotic from. And it's completely different. Two different types of love. But the love that the Spirit gives us is agape love. If we're not careful, we'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit as emotions in our lives. But what happens is the reason we need the Word of God, the reason we need the Word of God is because the Word of God defines the fruit of the Spirit for us. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible must become our regulator of emotions. The Bible regulates my emotions. So I must live by it. And so what I want to do for the remaining part of our time is I want to take each one of these fruits of the Spirit and I want to look at what the Bible says about each one of them so that we can understand the fruit of the Spirit so that hopefully... When it comes to your emotions, you know when you're being led by your emotions and when you're being led by the Spirit because you have the fruits of the Spirit to understand that. The first one is love. The first one is love. It's defined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now the word that is written about in in Galatians 5, being the fruits of the Spirit is the word agape love, selfless love. Love that, that doesn't look at, at, at itself. Love that only looks at other people and that doesn't only come from God. Jesus gave us, Jesus died in order to give us agape love. Before that, before his death, it was impossible for us to obtain it. It was impossible for us to give agape love. Because Jesus died, he gave us the power to give a God love to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 through 4 through 8 defines agape love. Listen to this verse, to these verses, and tell myself, tell yourself if it can produce sexual morality. Ready? Love is patient. Boom, right off the bat. Nope. Just wait. True love waits, right? Like, right off the bat, it knocks it out of the park. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Spirit, the love that the Holy Spirit gives us is a love like no one, like, like, you just have to have Jesus in order to experience it. The second fruit of the Spirit is joy. Now, now this is, this is one that I think human beings think that they, they've got handled, right? Like, a lot, a lot of human beings equate joy to happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, joy and happiness are completely different. Psalm 94, 19 says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. 1 Peter 1, 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you have the spirit inside of you, you have the ability to have joy when all things seem dark. You have the ability to be joyful when it looks like your world is colliding. When it looks like you're not going to be able to say another word in this sermon, you're able to have joy. The joy that is mentioned in the fruits of the Spirit is joy unspeakable, ladies and gentlemen. It's joy that when it doesn't make sense, you can be joyful. It's joy in heartache and in anxiety. It's, it's in the midst of hard, hardness. Like whatever's going on, it doesn't, joy is not circumstantial. The next one is forbearance in our translation, the New, the new International Version. In the King James Version, many of you have, have heard it be called long-suffering. Also known as patience. Other translations put it as patience. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Also translated patience. The trying of your faith produces patience. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Ladies and gentlemen, the fruit of the Spirit known as patience goes against our emotions. Because my emotions say, I want it now. My emotions say, act now. My emotions say, do it now. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Just wait. Just wait. God gives us patience. And when we're led by our emotion, patience isn't easily tested. It's not easily tested. When we're led by the Spirit, we're able to say, God is working. 
we're able to say God is working this out, not me. Because we're able to have the patience that we're that we need. Emotions are okay. They're welcome in the car. They're just not welcome to drive the car. Kindness. The next one is kindness. When we look at kindness through the emotional lens of our world, the world tells us to be kind when it's easy. To be kind when others are kind to you. But God tells us to be kind all the time. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. You notice that he says that before forgiveness, because what he's saying is when others do wrong, be kind with one another. So that you can forgive them. Just as Christ has been kind to you, just as Christ has forgiven you, don't do unto others what others do to you. Do unto others what Christ has done to you. The next fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10 says, Let us not become weary of doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good to one another because the Holy Spirit empowers you to do good to each other, regardless of if others are doing good to you or not. That's next level stuff. You guys just trying to understand what I'm saying, and you're just like all so concentrated. Like, I feel like I'm about to lose you, but just stick with me. Stick with me. If we do good based on our emotions, then we end up not living up to God's standard. Because we have to do good when we feel terrible. We have to do good when it's hard, not just when it's easy. That's what God wants. The next one is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let's face it, our world doesn't know much about faithfulness. The divorce rate in our country is through the roof. It's more normal to be divorced than it is to, to be married to the world. To one woman, and I'm not, I'm not preaching against divorce right now. It's not my intent. My intent is to show you what faithfulness according to God looks like. Second Timothy chapter two verse verse thirteen says, "If we are faithful, faithless, God remains faithful. If we are faithless, God remains faithful." I've been reading through the Old Testament in my in my quiet time. I'm in the book of Jeremiah right now, and it's talking, I mean, and, and it just, it, it, it amazes me about, like, how, how patient God was with the children of Israel. When they were so faithless, he was still faithful. 
because he's faithful to his promises and he never abandons his promises. He never abandons his love, abandons his love for us. He is always faithful to love us, ladies and gentlemen. He's always faithful to love us. And when we're able to remain faithful, when we feel like people have given up on us, that's a sign that we're being led by the Spirit. So if you're facing something right now in your life where you're just like, man, like, they don't care about me. They don't care about me. I want you to know that a fruit of the Spirit is to still be faithful to them. Don't just write them off. Be faithful to them. Because that's what the Holy Spirit would lead you to do. Don't abandon your friends based on the emotion of the, the, the moment. You'll lose friends that way. And, it, and you'll turn them off to what God's doing in your life. I, I don't know who needs that right now, but I just, I just feel like the, the Holy Spirit is, is leading me to tell you that when you feel like your friends have trashed you and, and you feel like, they, like, like they've forgotten you, just be faithful. Gentleness is the next one. Gentleness. Once again, one of the fruits of the Spirit that people in Lakewood, Colorado have not reason to know nothing about. Proverbs chapter 15, 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Another verse that tells us when we're able to, to find a gentle answer, the Holy Spirit is able to step in and to, to bring the, the emotions of the moment down. And it, it, a gentle answer turns away anger. The, the emotion of the moment is anger, but when we're gentle, when we're able to speak in a gentle way through the Holy Spirit, grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright godly lives in this present age. What this is saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that self-control is saying no to the ungodly things of our life and saying yes to the godly things of our life. He says, you are able to live in a godly manner in this present day because you have self-control. 
because you're being led by the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, being led by the Spirit is knowing what to say no to and what to say yes to. The Spirit of God will never tell you to say yes to things that are sinful. But Adam, it just feels so good. What's leading you? But Adam, it just, it just feels so good. What's leading you right now? But it also teaches us to say yes to the things of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God will never tell you to say no to things that he tells you to say yes to in his word. He will never tell you to say no to Jesus. He will never tell you to say no to telling others about Jesus. He will never tell you no to, go, to going to church and to being a part of the church and to serving the church. He will never tell you no to serving when he says yes to serving in the word. We can't do things based on emotion. We have to do things based on his word. And as we come to a moment in our service, a lot of times we get to this place, and I, and I want to acknowledge something. A lot of times we get to this place, and it's filled with emotion. I mean, we've got a guitar up here. We, we want to get your emotions going. Because it's okay for emotions to be in the car. But when you make a decision based on the emotion of the moment, it doesn't stick. We want it to stick. Do a favor, stand to your feet. Head bowed, eye closed. You have to know to say no to. You also have to know what to say yes to. If you're getting baptized today, you can go out by the next steps. There's a go out the fire exit on the on my right side, your left side, the auditorium. There'll be someone there. And if you want to get baptized today, Maybe you didn't come prepared. Maybe you want to say yet. Yeah. Maybe you've been saying no to baptism. And you want to say yes to it. Then uh, you're welcome to, to go out at this time as well. Baptism it has to be your decision, not someone else's. But what's leading you today? What's leading you? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Or are you being led by your feelings? The only way that we're able to be led by the Spirit of God is through the blood of Jesus. Because he died for us. He was able to leave us the Holy Spirit. He was able to He's able to lead us every day because of it. 
gives us those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those things he gives to us through the blood of Jesus. We can understand them better because Jesus lived and because Jesus died. But until you come to a point where you accept that Jesus loves you and so much that he died for you, you can't have those things. You can't be led by the Spirit without Jesus. The Bible says that the price we pay for our sins. But it also tells us that there's a gift to be given. And it's through Jesus. If you're here this morning, accepted Jesus, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. I want to be led by you. I want to do things that you want me to do. I want to say no to my sinful nature and say yes to the Holy Spirit. But I need him to lead me. I need him to guide me. So God, I accept the death that Jesus paid for me on the cross. When he came out of that grave, I believe he gave me the ability to live for him. Thank you, Lord. With your head bowed and your eyes closed today. I want to say a prayer for those of you that would say, Pastor Adam, I've been, I've been doing things based on my emotions lately. Is there anyone like that? Anyone would say, Pastor Adam, I've, I've been led by my emotions. Would you just slip your hand up just to see? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you so much for the people that were vulnerable enough to say that they've been led by their emotions. And Lord, I pray that you would help them would lead them, that you would guide them, that you would be with them this week and help them to make good, easy decisions based on the Spirit's lead. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you celebrate, before you celebrate, we're going to celebrate. We've got baptism service afterwards. Stick around, hang out, watch people get, get dunked and, um, there's also an ice cream truck out there. Ice cream's on the house. You don't have to pay for it. We're, we're buying ice cream today. So we would love for you to have ice cream to celebrate what God is doing. Isn't God good? Let's go. Come on. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Come on.